Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is episode eight, and we are joined this, I guess, morning for me, evening for you in Kenya, <laughs> all the way yeah, from Kenya, with, with Kitawa Wimo. And please forgive me if I totally slaughtered your name <laughs> just now. I know you will say it properly for everyone. Um, so happy to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, thank you, Joan. I'm so ecstatic, to be honest, to finally do this. I know know I have really been looking forward to it. And um, it's the one thing that's kept me going all day. Oh, oh, really? Are you? I really? Oh, well, it sounds like you had a bad day. So as I, it's a good way to start my day and it's a good way to end your day. So we'll both be happy at the end. (laughs) It's perfect. It's actually perfect. And, and you didn't slaughter my name. So it's, it's Wemo. Wemo. It's Wemo. Yeah. But I get the whole um, Wemo because people think finding Nemo. (laughs) <laughs> ah, but and it's also it and then it also depends on you know where you learned english so exactly uh, depending on, on on whatever you can say wemo or wemo or wamo or it's knows. all right okay it's but i right. know it's kitawa wemo yes but you go yes. you go by wemo you don't go by kitawa yes. okay yeah mostly i do go by wemo which is uh, strangely enough my dad's name so okay i have no idea how that happened but yeah, oh. I go by my dad's name. Okay, I was going to ask if it's something in in tradition or in your culture that that happens, or is was it just by accident? No, no, I think it's just it just happened. I have okay. no clue. Well, I think because my Christian name is Winnie, and ah, so I okay. I felt that Wemo is unique, and there'll always be just one Wemo and millions of Winnies. Okay, <laughs> so what is which ethnic group are you from in uh, your country in Kenya? So in Kenya, I come from the Kisi community, which is a minority, to be okay. honest. We are one of, um, we are very few, okay. <laughs> but um, we're a Bantu um, origin tribe. Okay, okay. So yeah. tell us about you, um, where are you based, uh, how, how, you know, where you grew up, everything. Just give us a story and then, of course, we'll get into your, your business and all the great work that you, that you do. Oh, thank you. So um, I think I should begin with uh, saying how old I am. I'm 26. Okay. And and, um, how tall am I? (laughs) You are very tall. I am quite tall. I remember standing next to you going, oh my goodness. (laughs) You know, I didn't really realize how tall I was until I got to Delhi and I was like, oh, wow. I'm quite yes. tall. <laughs> For those of you, so, um, we, uh, Wimo and I met in, in Delhi. That's one, uh, how we connected initially. And she is very tall and absolutely stunning. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, thank you. And so are you, Joan. Uh, thank you. Abs- you. I, I felt so, like a midget next to you. <laughs> is that politically correct? Oh, my God. I can't say midget. Yeah. Like short little person next yeah, to you. Yeah, sh- short, short person is fine. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm about 5'9", going 5'10". <laughs> Yes. And um, I think um, uh, my horoscope, I'm, a, I'm an Aries. I was born on the 17th of April. And so I think just to give you a short introduction about who I am is I love fixing things. I love uh, finding solutions. And this has been me all the way from when I was younger. I, I could say maybe when I was six, seven. And when I was faced with challenges, I guess for me, the, the thing had always been, how do I fix it? I was never, you know, challenged to say, I can't fix this one thing. It could be that I'm 
I don't have friends, I would find a solution to it. I am failing at math, I would find a solution to it. And I think that's the basis of who I am. Um, what do I love doing? I love reading. Okay. I love swimming okay. because I hate sweating. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, so. <laughs> That's that's an interesting reason to like swimming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I when I went to school, I mean, because Kenya is quite the hot, the very hot country. Yeah. What what's so what's the you, temperature like there now today? Um, today around twenty six to twenty eight degrees. This oh, is the cold. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's no, okay. it's cold. It's, okay. Okay. It's cold here at this time of the year. June, July is our winter. So at 26, 24, that's, okay. that's the coldest we can think of during and, the day. And you're in Nairobi now, right? Yes, I'm in Nairobi. Okay. okay. The busy yeah, city. In Nairobi. The busy, it's such a beautiful metropolitan, cosmopolitan place to be. I've heard. And, I want to visit so badly. It's on my list. You have to. You I will, abs- I will. I'll give, I'll give you a tour when you get here. Fantastic. <laughs> so, yes. So, when I, when I was in, um, in high school, I had to pick out a sport. It was compulsory to be, to, you know, be... Um... Alarm for this call. All right. Okay. Here we go. We're back. There we go. (laughs) Sorry. So that's all right. Yes. So yes. So I had to be in sports, and I tried everything. I tried volleyball. I obviously tried athletics, and I was fifth last in (laughs) the first marathon that I ran in. (laughs) So obviously, you know, it's and you know, Kenyans are known for being uh, long, long run runners. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah, they're long distance runners, long and distance I'm very runners. tall. And you've and got so long legs, thought, so yes. Yeah, so I seemed, thought yeah. this would be the yeah. I thought this would be the sport for me, and I I was fifth last. It was frustrating, but then also the sweating was horrible. So I was just <laughs> like, you know, I just I will join the swim team <laughs> because it will be I won't have to sweat, and I will get to enjoy myself as well. So right, um, that's what I love doing. So I love reading, swimming, um. Cooking, I love cooking. Oh my gosh, okay. I li- I don't even use recipe books. I just go to the kitchen and let the magic happen. So, what's your favorite? <laughs> what's your favorite thing to cook? Chicken, chicken, chicken. Because it doesn't take hours to cook. Okay, and you can always throw in something, and it will be amazing. So, so what's like? <laughs> what's like a typical can like dish from your your um community, for example? We um we make bananas. We call it matoke. Okay. So my people are very famous for the best bananas in the country. Oh, wow. They come from my side of town. So. Okay. Okay. And then strangely enough, I grew up in the lakeside, at the lakeside. So also fish is a delicacy okay. for me as well. Yeah. So what do you do with the bananas? Do you make them into like a meal or like a pastry or is it like a savory so, dish? How do you use them? Usually making a stew from it is the best thing for the bananas. So either you can mash it mm. and um, yeah, so you, you just, it's a simple recipe. You just either, so you can either make a stew from it or for breakfast, you'll find that most people boil it and have it with salt and avocado. And okay. uh, it's, it's amazing to have in the morning. Where I come so from in the, ca- in, the, in the Caribbean, we do something similar. We've got like your typical American bananas, like the ones, the chiquitas uh-huh. and the doughs. But we've also got yeah. the small sweet bananas. 
um, mm-hmm. the really short, tiny ones. And then we've got green bananas, mm-hmm. which we boil. Mm-hmm. Some people boil them. Some people fry yeah. them. Um, yeah. And then we've got the plantain, which is another kind of banana. So we've got yeah. a few different types of bananas. And oh, we do different, yeah, we, we do put a lot of different things with bananas as well. So yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so my place, we also actually have uh, a lot of sweet bananas. So, uh, okay. Yeah, so that we, that's a typical meal from my side of town. Okay. Uh, yeah, bananas anytime. <laughs> right. Now, going back yeah. to what you said about um, being a problem solver, I think that's really interesting. So you were always a problem solver. So that means you were, you were born an entrepreneur then. Because that's what entrepreneurs must, do. They solve problems. I think so. And I really didn't realize this, to be honest, until after I went to the university. You know, okay. Okay. and the, th- the thing that happened is all my life, and I think this happens in a lot of African and Asian countries, you grow up being groomed to become this person in the future. Sure, so sure. I was groomed to become a doctor. Right. I was quite, I was, you know, my math, my sciences had to be at its best. And I mean, I lived my life trying to become a doctor. And then there's the family expectations of well, as well, you know, this is what you're going to become. This is what you're exactly. going to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and my mom always kept saying, you're so brilliant. You have to be a doctor. And my siblings kept referring to me as a doctor. I mean, that was how serious me being a doctor was. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can imagine. And I studied and all through my high school, I was studying to become a doctor and I passed and I qualified for medical school. Right. And I joined the university and two weeks in, into being in, in the university in medical school, I realized that I hated it. Mm. I just, I did not want to be a doctor because again, I wasn't going to be able to fix anything. Mm. So if someone is sick and they have a, you know, something I cannot fix, I would feel horrible about it. So I, I think I made a, conscious, a subconscious decision then to switch my course from being wow. a doctor. Unless you got into yeah. research, but even with research, you're not even sure because so much research is done and then they don't work on the, on the disease exactly. or whatnot. So yeah, I, exactly. I guess being, being a doctor doesn't give you that instant gratification yeah. the way yeah. entrepreneurship kind of does. I can kind of see where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So I sat and I thought, what could be the next best thing to being a doctor that I mm-hmm. could be? So I studied in the School of Public Health, where I would research on the solutions mm-hmm. <laughs> to the problems that face people, especially in Africa, having all these diseases like cholera and typhoid and, sure. you know, diseases that have solutions. So that was my thought process that I really didn't think about consciously, to be honest. But what, how, did then, your fam- how did your family respond to that? Were they disappointed, especially your mom? Yes, yes, they were. My siblings, my mom, they were livid, to be honest. Because <laughs> I, I did it without even telling them that I had to, uh, that oh, I was dear. doing my course. Right. Yes, yeah, so I just went back home after one semester and went like, um, yeah, so I'm in the School of Public Health. And my mom was like, what? Mm-hmm. I've been telling like, for everyone that you're a doctor. Oh, boy. What do you mean? You know, so the, the, whole, the whole community has it in their head. Wemo, doctor. She's going to yes, come back and make all of us healthy and yes. everything. And then your mom gets this devastating news. Yes, that I am not a doctor anymore. <laughs> oh my so, goodness! And it, you so know, to her, to her, it probably was devastating because you know, it was. Her, she's got it was for the longest. Yeah. Yes, and you know, according to her, she was. She kept saying, "You're so brilliant. You shouldn't be in the school of public health. That's not what you should be doing. You should be a doctor. You're underselling yourself." And I'm like, it's, "You know what? It's not what?" 
a lot yeah. of a lot of people have that mindset. Why do you think that yeah. is? Like, why is it that everyone equates like intelligence, like the epitome of intelligence, is being a doctor? Mm-hmm. Then it's perhaps an engineer, then a yeah, lawyer, exactly. and then yes. maybe a teacher or something. Exactly. <laughs> and then everybody exactly. else, and then everybody else is completely unintelligent. Who's <laughs> in the last batch? Like the I rest know. of us get. <laughs> and it's, I it's, don't. It's such a uh, conservative, I think, way of thinking because there's yeah. so there's different types of intelligence, obviously, and just because That's someone's true. really, really good at math doesn't necessarily mean they want to be an engineer. You know? Exactly. And, and that's one thing that I've been working towards, just trying to make sure that you know, younger people are making conscious decisions about the career path that they're choosing. But anyway, that's be- you know, before we get to that, I think mm. the reason why it's just because it's such a demanding profession. I mean, mm. for you to become a doctor, you have to get the best grades. You have to become and the best. Study for an many, and you study for many, many years. Mm-hmm. For many years. And also, I guess it's what uh, doctors bring to the table mm-hmm. and what an engineer brings to the table and the lawyer. I mean, it's almost like we need them so it's, much. It's practical. It's practical. Yeah. Because as a doctor, everyone will have to go to a doctor at some point exactly. in their life. As exactly. an engineer, you fix things. And to some extent, you know, engineers solve problems, mechanical yeah. engineers, uh, yeah, you know, electrical engineers, civil engineers with build, build bridges and buildings and roads. So it's yeah. a very practical degree. Everyone will need a it lawyer is. at some point. Everybody needs a teacher. So it's very, very practical. But it's also... Yeah. Um, yeah. The world we live in now, there's so many opportunities. Yeah. Exactly. So many different and, things. Yeah. And, and I remember, I think for me now, consciously realizing that I am actually a problem solver and I am a disruptor before disrupting became the jargon of entrepreneurs, mm. I think was when I, I was still in school and I was in my third year and I had to go and um, uh, be an intern at one of the biggest donor agencies in in. Kenya and and Africa in general, which was Amref. And Mm. this was the dream job. I mean, my mom had made peace with the fact that I wasn't a doctor anymore. But now the (laughs) fact that I interned at one of the best places in the country, she was just like, that is great. You're going in the right path. And then you know what Mm. happens? I refuse to get employed by them after school. Mm. And my mom goes like, what is wrong with you? You could have the best job in the world. But she said no. And the reason why I turned it down is because I was there and I was working in the villages in Kenya trying to fix water and sanitation problems. Mm. But then I wasn't fixing the problem, you see, because being, being there and what we were doing, the project was trying to teach the communities on how to use toilets and, you know, Mm. proper sanitation and hygiene programs. But then when you talk to the people, they really don't care you know yeah. they're just they want to they want to have the money from the big you know organization beyond that they they don't have the root um need to want to fix a problem mm. and so that's where my entrepreneurial journey began because i said if i if i don't feel satisfied by being employed and you know going according to the strategic plan of this organization that I don't really believe in, then I need to find the solution myself. Absolutely. And that's such a perfect segue into discussing um, your business. But I do want to point out something because this community yeah. focuses on the emerging markets, you know, the developing yeah. South uh, countries, yeah. the global South, whatever, you, whatever term you want to call it. And I think it's yeah. very important for people to, who are not uh, from these uh, 
parts of the world to understand that in these communities, things are very collective. So yeah. it's still very much a collective society. So when you, mm-hmm. so like your mom, for example, being so disappointed mm-hmm. that you didn't want to become a doctor, a lot of that is because of the collective. It's like the community. Yeah. What will yeah. the community say? What will the people think? And also mm-hmm. everything is done in this collective. So everyone knows That's she's true. going to be a yeah. doctor. And it's very difficult yeah. when you come from a collective shared environment to be an individual and say you're going to do your own thing because that's not yeah. what happens in a collective whereas if you're in the west in the u.s or in canada or yeah. somewhere in europe it's it's just what you do you're an individual you go out there and you do your own thing <laughs> yeah you know? that's and no exactly one, what and it no is yeah. one, no one questions you you, you know exactly. usually your parents support you but when you come from very collective communities and very collective societies yeah. that's just not the way it works you exactly. know Sometimes you're, Wait, you're it's, it's not what it works. No, it's not how no, it works. No, it's predetermined sometimes, like from the beginning, yeah. who you're going to marry, what kind of career exactly. you're going to have, exactly. where you're going to live. Exactly. So and yeah. and most intri- I know interestingly listening to you, I think what took me back is the fact that no one knew what an entrepreneur was. Right. And right. even for my mom to tell someone that my daughter is an entrepreneur was very difficult because mm. she didn't know and even telling some I'm an entrepreneur, they'd be like, what is that? Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. <laughs> until you say, so you, until you say, but mom, Bill Gates is an entrepreneur. She'll go, Oh, okay. oh exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's mm. actually taking time for me to help her understand what being an entrepreneur is. And, and as you know, as a result, to be honest, uh, despite it being a collective effort for, you know, the communities around us to say that we have to be a doctor or a lawyer and all this, uh, you know, proper white collar jobs. Mm-hmm. The people, my if I look at my siblings and I look at my cousins, they are actually defying the norm and becoming sort of entrepreneurs outside being employed. So I I have my sister who works works at a bank recently quit to become an entrepreneur. Wow. And, She's older brave than woman, me. By, brave woman. I know. And mm-hmm. she's older than me. And she came to me and said, so how is it to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> and mm. I was, I was, I, I was taken aback, but then I realized that more and more people are realizing that they possess within them the power to change the situation that they're in. And it's beautiful that even in my small circle, that's my family. I can see that my cousin who's studying to become a doctor is writing books as well. <laughs> yeah. And you can, you can be entrepreneurial within those very traditional fields. Exactly. I mean, you can. So many, so many people become doctors and then they realize uh, there's a demand for this or that. And they, be, they, get, exactly. they become sort of tech, get into the technical medical space yeah. and solve problems yeah. by creating things that they may have realized their patients were lacking or needing. So, exactly. you, you know, or exactly. you became, you became an engineer and you realized there was a problem and you say, you know what, I'm going to have to go off and exactly. start something. So anyone can, can solve a problem even with in exactly. those traditional fields yeah yeah absolutely. yeah and it's beautiful to see people embracing the need to you know think outside and you know be outside their comfort zone i think it's just beautiful and i love it and i love that as a country we are embracing entrepreneurship at with such open arms and it's yeah, yeah kenya in- kenya is a hub in africa it's known for its entrepreneurship i think you guys hope hosted didn't you host with obama the global entrepreneurship summit yeah. one year yes, yeah yeah i remember yes yeah. Yeah. yeah so that is a show that as a country and as a 
you know, the culture that we have, the African culture is actually disrupting itself mm. and growing beyond what we have ever imagined. And the passion is just beautiful. And I love that now people are embracing that collective need to do things and embracing it to empower and to grow and to equip each other with skills. Yeah. And I think that is what I think is beautiful, that you can still retain that collectiveness about the culture, but use, use entrepreneurship within that space. So just because you've made, you've made a choice to break out from the norm, you can be disruptive, but you're still solving problems for your community and within your community, which is great. And like you said, now, now there's so much happening now all over the continent of Africa with respect to entrepreneurs. It's, it's like a fascinating time, I think, to, um, to do business on trip, anything entrepreneurial within Africa. I've met a lot of Westerners who um, mm-hmm. are moving to Africa to start businesses. Yeah. Some, some yeah. of them have their roots there. Some don't, some are just curious, yeah. but it's, there's a lot happening. So now yeah. to yeah. your business, tell us about your business and what you do. So my business um, is, um, I realized the hardest thing is, putting it in a box right Mm -hmm. so i i i decided to narrow it down and what i do is i run a street stroke slum business school for women who come from underserved communities in kenya okay and this has sort of grown to not just include the women but also young upcoming entrepreneurs who are looking to find their footing within the space so um, I guess the, the, the business itself has undergone a lot of transitions. Okay. When I started in 2015, um, I wanted to work with um, primary school-going children and right. um, environmental conservation because, um, I mean, I felt sad being in a concrete jungle, jungle that's Nairobi. And you, you, I love how you call it that. (laughs) It is. It is. Sounds like sounds like London. (laughs) It is. It's a concrete jungle, and then Mm. because we are growing at such a fast pace, you walk down the streets and they're cutting down trees to expand the road. Oh no, that's the awful part. Which is not so bad. Yeah, it's awful, but we need the development, but we need to find solutions. Or so maybe ideally, it's cutting the trees from one place, but then relocating them in some exactly. kind of urban urban oasis or urban garden exactly. or something. Right, but you right. see, n- no one was relocating the trees. The trees are just being cut and just, that's it. Mm. It's, that's it for the trees and getting polluted every single day and it's becoming a mess. So I thought maybe, I mean, we have all these schools that are, you know, in, we have more schools than anything else within the country. So if I could work with the school-going kids who would embrace environmental conservation and learn how to plant trees and learn to embrace that we need our trees from, you know, from a young age, then maybe we can find solutions. Absolutely. Oh, this, the, but I failed <laughs> okay. when I started because okay. um, I, don't, I didn't really understand how to do it. It was, it was a brilliant idea that now I ended up sharing with someone else who's doing it even better. But that was where it started. And then the next transition for me was now working with women who are victims of gender-based violence mm. within the slums. Mm-hmm. Teaching mm-hmm. them these skills and also making sure that they have counselors who guide them and you know make sure that they're okay, aside from teaching them business. Because... For me, the, 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 the reason why I thought of gender-based violence is um, 
understanding that it's happening within our society. And many yeah. people don't really realize that they're being abused because abuse, when you think of, you know, gender-based violence, you just think this man's going to hit me. Mm-hmm. But you realize it's beyond that. It's a woman who cannot express herself, who cannot make decisions, who cannot stand up for her rights, who cannot, you know, is literally put down by the community itself and the culture that we have, which is very, you know, male dominated. And sometimes so the, culture, where... the culture normalizes it and then perpetuates it. Yeah. So they think it's just the way it is. So like you said, they exactly. don't even realize that they're being abused. Yeah, exactly. And that was, uh, you know, a very strong realization for me. And I said, wow, um, all these women who don't know they're being abused, I want to fix that. I want them to know that they're being abused. Mm. So um, I started you know, working with women in the slums in Nairobi and getting groups of women counselors who would come on board for free and volunteer to you know, counsel them and find women curators who have professionals in different fields to come and help them with their businesses. Ideally, that's how it started. So a woman who is um, running a grocery store, we have not, not really store, I mean, grocery stand. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have those in the Caribbean. Yeah, of course, of course, yes, <laughs> of course. So yeah, the fruit, um, the fruit stand, or in yeah, the markets, like the fruit, or exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the casual laborers who are women who are doing this, you know, just and if they're things. usually women. They're usually women doing those roles. Usually, as well. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I realized, you see, this woman at the end of the day is selling her fruit next to another woman who is frying some fish next to another woman who is you know, washing clothes for the, for other people. And Mm. what I realized, and this happened because I had to take a stroll through the slums in Nairobi Mm -hmm. was I realized that these women talk amongst each other Mm -hmm. and they grow with each other. And I said, you know, what if one of this, these women understood the beauty of being an actual entrepreneur and being innovative about their business? Mm -hmm. What if I gave this woman the skill and while they're talking during the day as they run by their businesses then they can get to share amongst themselves absolutely and And opportunities to scale which is so important opportunities to scale up yes because i think that's the biggest that's the biggest problem in the developing countries it's it's not that women don't have the women entrepreneurs don't have the desire to they just don't have access or opportunities to scale so they end up being a small a small uh, uh time sort of seller or what have you but they want more but it's where do they where do they get the information where do they get resources yeah 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 ideally and then i realized if you empower this woman with these skills the whole community is actually going to get empowered by what you and and you don't empower by telling them that this is what you should do you do this Mm. by showing them how they can do it yeah. So I, I found a group of you know, a few women that, who came on board when we started and we would do a practical um, business opportunity, I mean, a business venture that is relevant to them. So in this first one that was in 2016, what we did is we design, um, manufactured hand sanitizers mm. because the women brought, the, I mean, we go through the whole process of brainstorming with the women. Mm-hmm. So that's the first phase. Meet the women. Let's brainstorm. What are the problems that you face in the slums? Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, at the end of the day, our children are dying because there's no water to wash their hands. When clean they water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no clean water. And 
the the government had a you know hand washing um program that was being shared amongst the slums but the women said so you see this is the power of actually going to the grassroots and understanding the problem from the root and they said you know will i wash my hands or will i drink the water to quench my thirst wow and that was i yeah, like that I said, mm. yeah so i said wow um i really didn't realize how important or how scarce this resource was and how greatly it affected you so because they said you know i'd rather quench my thirst than wash my hands mm. and and i'd rather my child quenches their thirst than wash their hands but both are so to... equally important exactly and i said you know you need to wash your hands because if you don't you're going to die from cholera from typhoid from mm-hmm. all these diseases these communicable diseases yeah that kill almost you know a huge percentage of your population in the slums because again there's a lot of interaction within the slums so we thought wait what if we have hand sanitizers that mm-hmm. the children at least would have access to so at the end of the day the women make the hand sanitizers we get a partner who will be able to fund the sanitizers and the children are able to clean their hands and the women who you know are handling food can sanitize their hands as well so mm. that's how the idea was born and we're still working on more projects with the women in the slums and understanding okay what's the problem and how can we solve it and we end up having profits from the ventures that we come up with through the entrepreneurship toolkit that we designed right um, we're going to talk about that <laughs> can't yeah. wait to talk about that yes <laughs> so, so the toolkit we shrunk it down to eight weeks and it's only one day over the weekends that we meet these women and do a two three hour class with them where we actually bring a business from zero to a hundred basically mm. they come to the to the business or when they come to the sessions they have nothing but themselves and their brains mm. and their passions and we say we have to have a project that will be, will succeed so we come up with innovative in fact in our brainstorming we're like so what can we get for free <laughs> before we start thinking about crowdsourcing for money mm-hmm. yeah so we find if it's the food that we are having in the in the in the groups they will bring the food themselves if it's how are we going to market it they come up with ideas we will go to the church we will go to the school i mean they have all these resources you just give them the power and show them that it's all possible mm. and so for example with our sanitizer project it was quite successful i mean we are working on the second cohort now okay. because this was the trial phase on how more children can have access to the sanitizers without sort of infringing too much on their time mm-hmm. so while i was with the women and working through this then we realized wait we need to involve more people who can be able to sort of create a network of not just the women in the slums but how can these women transfer the skills to other people in the slums so it's it's a um, um dominoes effect to right. if i could call it that of course and of then course. So just to summarize the 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 whole concept of the business and its model is training the young passionate aggressive women who are within the slums because they are the ones who make things happen. Absolutely. And training them giving them these skills 
and making sure that they are able to transfer the skills to other organizations that they're part of, or other ideas that they have. For example, if they have a, a micro bank or is it micro enterprise within themselves, mm-hmm. that they understand how to grow the business. Sure. Microfinance. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, because uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot of microfinance in the slums. How mm. are they going to be able to understand how to run a business and how to sustain it and how to keep growing it? So we give them the skills and then we monitor to see how the skills have improved their day-to-day lives. And just to be clear, this is at Mama Ventures, which is your business. Yes. How long have yeah, you been Mama. running Mama Ventures now? It's a year. It was a year in May. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so India was my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. I, I, I never thought in a million years that it would be possible to at least get there. Yeah. And I think to be able to just um, summarize how the business has been able to come together at Mama Ventures, it's the fact that I had to embrace my failures from my first venture. Of course. And yes. and write them down and be honest with myself and say, how did I fail at this and how did I fail at that? Right. How can I improve? And listening to other entrepreneurs who've had the same problem and just bringing all that information together to make this one thing that can be used by more people within my space. Right. Now, the, the topic of your blog is... Um, yeah building a, a business model, a sustainable, which is yes. long-term business model. Mm-hmm. And the toolkit yeah. that you've created helps these women to do that. Yes. Now, yes. why is it important for female entrepreneurs to have, okay, to not only understand their business model, that's a given, but why does it have yeah. to be sustainable? Why is that important? I, th- I think um, most importantly, why I insist on sustainability mm-hmm. is because it, 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 you do not create change when your idea dies out in a few years. Mm-hmm. Because what happens in a community, in a collective community, is you become a, you know, a source of ridicule and say, oh, Joanne started this thing and she wasn't able to sustain it. I guess she was just wasting her time. Mm-hmm. And, realizing, and realizing that Joanne did not want to, her business to fail, she just didn't understand how to make it last. Yeah. And the reason why the toolkit is centered on sustainability is because our initial um, beneficiaries or our initial people that we worked with were women. Mm-hmm. And understanding a woman makes it easier to understand a whole community because, let's yeah. be honest, women, we... We women are, are at the center of the community. <laughs> we are at the center. Of the we community. are at the yeah. center of the community. And when you focus the energies that a woman has, I think when you look at a community where there's a strong woman, mm. it is generally a very strong community in general. Definitely. So if you're able to harness the skills that a woman possesses that are innate, that are not, it, no one taught a woman how to do certain things. it's an innate nature Mm -hmm. that we have within ourselves. If you're able to nurture that, Mm -hmm. then you're able to actually nurture sustainability. Mm, I like that. I like that. The innate qualities of a woman, the feminine, the feminine qualities of a woman that, that I guess every, that feminine energy that, well, I mean, men have the feminine energy in them too, but innate to the woman, the female, um, that makes her who she is. 
Exactly. And one of the biggest things is, you know, reading around and you listen to people say, you know, women are scatterbrains and we want to think about <laughs> our kids and our yeah. husbands and our, yeah. you know, our families. And we want to think about how we dress and we want to think about all these things all at the same time. And I realized, wait, you know, this is always such a bad thing, but it could be a good thing mm-hmm. because we have the power to actually look at things at the same time and ensure that everything is working at the same time. Yeah. It's just, how do you manage these energies? How do you channel them and ensure that everything works out? And if we have to speak for a woman, yeah, uh, yeah, not meaning to cut you off. I just want to say quickly, if we have to speak candidly about women, a, a woman yeah. doesn't really have an option whether to be a multitasker yeah. or scatterbrain because like we said, she's so crucial to the society that she has no option but to take exactly. on all of these roles. These roles are foisted upon her. She, exactly. she has to do this. She has to do that. Yeah. She has to go. So it's like on one end, the woman has this crucial role to play, but then when she plays those yeah. roles, oh, she's scatterbrained. Yeah. She's all over the place. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't know what she wants. It's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't uh, it? Yes, that's <laughs> it is. It is. Is. And for the longest time, it was a double-edged sword for me because, I mean, I am the queen of being a scatterbrain, but mm. because I want to multitask, I want to, you know, as I said, I'd want to think about the now and I want to think about the past and I want to think about the future all at the same time. And for if I was to hypothetically give a, you know, an, a situation, say if I was in a relationship with someone and they did something bad to me or something that I would, did not appreciate. And usually what that means, it would trigger a thought process that channels you to your past boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go, X person is just like X person. Or you get so angry, not because they did it, it's just because it reminded you of someone else who did the exact same thing to you a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about this person in the future and saying, hmm, if they did this this way, does this mean in five years when I'm with him, he would do the same thing just in an aggravated way? That's the negative way of looking at it, right? Right, right. So, but then I thought, wait, no, 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 no. This is actually a gift because we have the power to take an out-of-body experience where you look at your life as a timeline. And you're able to pinpoint the exact point and the exact emotion that came with something. Mm. So what, what happens when you channel all this energy where you extrapolate this feeling to a business and a woman is able to look at their business and associate a certain happening to the past and what they did or someone else did in the past with their business. And again, extrapolate this to the future and, you know, we are sort of observers on yeah. the timeline of life. And I think that's the power that we have as women yes. to understand um, ourselves first, mm-hmm. embrace the power that we possess the, within a community and within ourselves and be able to make an impact based on this. Definitely. Now you said something, you said something which I thought was so, um, it was so just, the the point just stood out at me. Uh, You said, I look at a woman in business leadership as a river. And if there are obstacles with time, they move in its rhythm and mold in her direction. And you followed up by saying, as long as we keep feeding the positivity that drives the river, it will be the source of life to everything around it. And that was, uh, that was a a snippet, an extract of what you said when asked, um, 
why is it important for for women to have models specific to them and the reason yeah. why i ask you that is because you know everyone just talks about business models but i think as women yeah we all know women um women and men don't run businesses in the same way the same um, way, and that's yeah. just because of the different roles that women and men play i mean there's nothing yeah. gendered or yeah. you know about it it's just it's just the way yeah. it is you know if you're yeah. if you're a woman and you've got three children to take care of as you're building your business you're going to be managing yeah. your business in a, especially if you were a single mom for example you're managing yeah. your business in a different way you're thinking about different things so yeah. when i asked you that you said that there's definitely um an emotional impact and yeah. you said something else that i thought you said was really important was compassion is a great attribute yeah. that women have when it's managed in the right way yeah. and i i feel like what you were you what you were expanding on was that again women have certain qualities that are feminine and unique to them and yeah. rather than allowing society to say oh you're too emotional or oh, you're too this or oh, you're too exactly. that take yeah. those qualities harness them and use them in a positive way to drive yes. to drive your business and i thought that was exactly. the, the way you use the rhythm and the flow that was that oh. was brilliant that was brilliant oh, thank you <laughs> this is actually one of the few um I remember when we were preparing for the article, I yeah. think I told you, you know, I, I sort of need to think about this and, you know, sort of <laughs> take it all in. Yeah. And usually when I'm doing something of the sort, I would write it down first in yeah. like, actually in my book, not even on my laptop and write it down. But this is one of the few that I just said, you know what, let me just write and just grab and just write Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and just let, let everything flow out. And I think, one one of the reasons why I really embrace the sustainability model and under, understanding that my business model could not be like another person's or mm -hmm. the generic business model that we have out there is because I did try to find a business model that worked for me. Mm. And it was difficult because yeah. when you when you go out there and you're looking for a business model, even for you when you are starting up, mm -hmm. it's all the same stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. And standard textbook, standard textbook stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I tried this standard textbook and I realized it's different. I need to think about my business as a part of me. Yeah. I cannot think about my business as something else. And I cannot think about my business as I have to go to work from nine to 5 PM. And mm -hmm. after 5 PM, my business doesn't exist till the next day at 9 yeah. AM. Yeah. And that's how I worked through my first business. And I was overwhelmed because my business wasn't a part of me. It was something, it was something else. It was another entity. It was another job mm -hmm. to me. It wasn't connected and, to you and your, your, your exactly. personal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as entrepreneurs, I think we cannot conform to the usual norm where, you know, you, you know, close your laptop and say, you know what, I'm done for the day. <laughs> Yeah. We are never done for the day. And it doesn't mean that you have to work into the night. Mm -hmm. It meant that you have to tap into yourself and understand, and understand why you make the decisions that you do the way you do. You know, and right. women, most women will tell you, I lead intuitively. I run my business yeah. intuitively. Now, if you, exactly. walk, if you walk into a, tech, a very technical or typical startup space and you yeah. say that, yeah. everyone will look at you like you're mad. But exactly. you, know, you know what you mean. You know what you mean when you say, I lead my business very intuitively. I don't yeah. sit down and write you know, a PowerPoint or a 10, a 10 page um, yeah. you know, document. I just know this feels right. 
it's aligned yeah. with my values and what I want to do and I do it and it works out and sometimes it doesn't work out but it leads to something else and I think a lot of women lead that yeah. way and but yeah. it's the thing is we I think as women we're at such a crucial time in history where so yeah. many women are starting businesses and I feel yeah. like rather than imitate and mimic what's already there why yeah. not create groundbreaking innovative models that reflect exactly not just only who we are but what we're trying to achieve Exactly. And, and I'm not saying the standard textbook model isn't good. Obviously, this was created no, by, by men many, many years ago, and they've been so yeah. successful at it. But it doesn't mean we have to copy that. We can exactly. use certain aspects of it. We can take aspects of it that are good and exactly. work with it. But if, if we're going to create something unique to us, it's got yeah. to be it, it, a big part of it, I think, has to be intuitive. Because exactly. so many women will tell you, I started my business because of something connected to a personal story or an experience. Exactly. So how can it not and, be intuitive? Yeah. Yeah. And just to maybe just add, add to that, I think it's mostly because when a woman generally buys and is attached to something, mm -hmm. by extension, everyone around them will be greatly impacted by it. Absolutely. Look at this. I mean, I look at it like um, growing up and say, I mean, I talk about my mom a lot because she's my best friend. Ah. We're very, we're very close. And yes. I remember growing up and she would have a bad day mm -hmm. and everyone in the house is having a bad day. Of course. Of <laughs> and course. she would have a, she'd have a great day and everybody is having a great day. And mm -hmm. I looked at my dad and whether or not he had a bad day didn't matter. No yeah. one else was affected by it. And whether he had a good day, I mean, I started looking at that and because my mom is such a strong African woman who is very opinionated. Mm -hmm. So to say, you know what? She's a very strong woman and I need to look at her as my case study as yeah. to who the power that a strong woman possesses. Mm -hmm. So I then said, you know, now, at least now I'm not, I mean, growing up I was sometimes very scared of her <laughs> because <laughs> She's of her of her presence her presence yeah her <laughs> presence was you know she would walk into a room and everyone would stop to stare and <laughs> it's not anything that she said it's just she commanded that presence and that respect from the people around and that a big part of that is the feminine you know that the feminine when exactly. when a woman actualizes and realizes her own feminine power exactly. she doesn't have to say a word Everybody yes, feels she, it. The women feel it. The men feel yeah. it. And it's like, okay, a woman is here. <laughs> yes, <know>? exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I was always so fascinated by this. And I just kept thinking, you know, there is something about this. And I really need to explore on, you know, looking at strong women around me, who yeah. is just not my mom, but other people's moms and other women in leadership. And right. realizing that when a woman actually embraces themselves and the power and energy that they possess, the room moves in its in her rhythm and this is the whole river you know mm -hmm. analogy, analogy that i gave yeah. yeah yeah because when a river decides it's going slow everything stops you know nothing's and when a river's going fast the sides will erode with it and if there's a stone in its path it shall be moved with time and yeah looking at a woman who possesses the power and the grace of a river is is just where the the beauty of being a woman is and i think for the longest time i have been a rebel to be mm. honest so and you didn't you didn't always believe what you're saying today yeah no wow. hardly and why hardly. why is that what 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 why is that and what led to your transformation i think ideally was the reason i i look at wemo in the past and wemo now and wemo in the past was everything needed to be right 
you know yes this yes. is how things are supposed to be i will do the things the way they're meant to be yes. but then you don't really make a difference when you swayed and moved around you know if someone says bend you bend if someone says run you run yeah and you realize that your power comes with you discovering yourself and for me it was yeah i think number one going through horrible relationships with people mm. and embracing the fact that it was okay to be in a bad relationship mm-hmm. and it built my character mm-hmm. and also realizing that i cannot make a difference in the next woman's life if i'm not opinionated if i do not stand by what i believe yeah so even even when it comes to business itself i have to it has to i have to be honest with myself oh, and yes. i have to be and i have to be open to the people that i am with yeah and and so i think part of me is the african culture to be honest yes we are growing as a culture to be more accepting of the woman but when i look at myself from a middle class citizen mm-hmm. and i look at the you know lower class citizen who is mm-hmm. still struggling with the ropes a rural kenyan woman mm-hmm. who does not have an opinion mm-hmm. wants to have an opinion but cannot even voice the opinion that for me is the inspiration behind mama and making sure that we have to be that social enterprise at the end of the day mm-hmm. that gives this power to this woman absolutely yeah because you look at that woman and she does so much a woman in the village will wake up at 4am and go to the farm and come back and make sure the children are having breakfast and the husband is well dressed and you know it's and carry out their day and work like a, actually a donkey yeah yeah work day. very hard yes work very hard because they need to show that they're the perfect woman right mhm the perfect and wife need, and then there's and the community the, yeah. again you know the community exactly. pressure <laughs> god yeah. she has yes. to be the perfect wife and the perfect mother and the perfect woman and yeah. you know it's it's a lot of pressure yeah. but this woman can actually make a difference within her community absolutely and that's what i i i live for you know and it's interesting you mentioned that you struggled with this femininity and your own womanhood and i think I don't think there's any woman on this planet of 7. Point, however many how many are we now 7.3 billion people okay. getting closer Who, yeah I, 8 billion I, mark yeah I don't think there's any woman anywhere on this planet that hasn't struggled at some point in her life yeah. with her womanhood with her femininity especially women of our generation the millennial generation yeah. generation x yeah. what have you i think because we grew up with so much more options than our parents yes. generation and you know exactly. you know there's that saying too many options can be just as bad as not not enough options <laughs> and i think oh we i think we i think with our parents and our grandparents life was so defined they did yeah. what they had to do and that was it with us we exactly. have so many options and i think so yeah. many of us we we get confused and we do struggle and some sometimes that struggle is with our femininity and our identity and you know society society says this your culture says mm-hmm. this tv says yeah. that your friends say exactly. that there's a lot True. going on and women struggle a lot and um you know sometimes you just have to just let women live you know <laughs> let exactly. let women figure themselves out i like that yeah, yeah. i think and, i'm just going to write that down and use it <laughs> <laughs> no like you know there's this you know sometimes you hear people say can i just live because it's so hard it's so so hard um 
going through this process and trying to define yourself. And I feel like there's some women that never actually do, but I think there's something yeah. so powerful that happens when you get to that point in your life where you're like, you know what, yes. this is me. That's this true. is who I am. I get this. And, and I'm just going to be my very feminine and divine self, no matter yeah. and, you know what. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is actually understanding the feminist movement. And mm. for the longest time, I think it's something that very many people did not understand. And maybe it's the labels that came with being a feminist. Sure. And it's not a bad thing to be a mm. feminist. And being a feminist does not mean that you have to degrade the man next to you. Of course not. Of course you know, not. And that's what, for me, I think understanding what it meant to be as a feminist is that I had to harness the energies within myself to motivate the people around me, including the men around me and just have them understand that this is who I am and this is who you are and we are separate entities and yeah. we can march our energies to make the best out of it. And to be honest, Joanne, mm. the greatest supporters of our movement have been men. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. I think, I think, you know, when a woman recognizes her own power, she realizes that she needs the man to come on board Yeah. because she yeah. realizes, you know, we can't do this alone because men are half of the population. And when, yeah. uh, when you're actualized male or female in your own power, you recognize that that power has got to be shared. It's not about dominating or degrading. Exactly. It's really about yeah. bringing these different forces together. And I know there's some yeah. feminists that don't agree with that. And I'm okay with That's that. I, I'm yeah, all which about, is fine. which is fine. But for me personally, I just think harmony is, is the best way. Yeah. And I think some, some men aren't on board and it's going to take a while for them to get on board and yeah. that's okay. But when you yeah. really understand, especially the younger generation of men, I think are, yeah. are very much on board. When you understand yeah. your own power, your masculine power, your feminine power, yeah. I think you, you work together and great things happen. That's true. That's very true. And yeah. it's, it's been a great experience for us just to work with both the men and the women and understanding. And for us, what it looks like with our next step is to be able to, you know, engage conversations where we change the, the, the corporate language around the men and the women, you know, yeah. and it's still, it's still a reality. I will walk to a boardroom today and someone would, you know, turn and be on their phone because I'm a woman. <laughs> oh, right? yeah. They don't yeah. want to listen to me because yeah. what do yeah. you know? You're yeah. a woman. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. to make matters worse, you're a 26-year-old. You're what young. do you know about life? And you're really? attractive. <laughs> and you're attractive. And sometimes being attractive is a double-edged. People, there's still a lot of people out there that live in the caves and they think if you're yeah. attractive, then automatically you're, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking no, about. Exactly. And so, I'm, yeah. I've experienced my own fair share of that, but it has to be, again, understanding our energies. And this is why my business model for women is tailored around understanding um, ourselves and our energies themselves within us. When I start, mm. one of the primary things we do in our entrepreneurship toolkit is the primary thing is understanding our life skills. Yeah. And this is, you know, looking at what your life map looks like right you know how what decisions have i made between my when i could my first memory to now that have inflicted on my decision making yeah and then understanding what personality am i mm. what what makes me tick and what what are the personalities of the people in my organization and then once you are able to understand why and how 
you make decisions and why you are the way you are, then mm-hmm. all this business jargon that comes from the standard model of running a business, they just, you know, they, they evaporate. <laughs> yeah, they evaporate and they sort of mold into the great big idea. Yeah. Then you're easily going to develop your customers, develop your revenue, develop, you know, just you're able to develop all the facets of what your business looks like when you understand yourself and your team as a woman. So it sounds like you're, the business model you've designed, the toolkit that you have involves a lot of self-reflection because you want these women to understand uh, the source of, of everything that they're doing. Because a lot of the times exactly. people start, you, you hear someone, they start a business today, then they're done with it, they start another one and then they're doing this exactly. and they're doing that. And it's because exactly. they don't really know what they're doing and why they're doing it. So you're saying self-reflect, understand what your values are, and then let that permeate through every aspect of your business. That is so important. That's so important. And the reason why I use this is because it was a step I needed to take. When Mm. I I failed in my first, at my first try, I had to, you know, I met a life coach. And one Mm. of the things I did was just understanding my values. Yeah. Understanding what a decision I'm making how does, inflict, how does it inflict on me? How does it inflict on us as a community? Mm-hmm. And how does it inflict on the next person? Yeah. yeah. So uh, just understanding that for me was actually the turning point of, you know, building mama to what she is right now. Because then I was able to put all these things into a box. And then I was able to manage my being a multitasker. Because when I started, one of the biggest problems was... I wanted to go, you know, one of the end goals is for us to go into renewable energy Ooh, in a few years. Yeah. yeah. One of my and favorite yeah. topics. <laughs> when I get there, I will we'll give you do, a... We'll have to do another podcast <laughs> just on that. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I was really excited about it. And because it's something I'm very passionate about. Mm. I wanted to do it right there and, de- and then mm-hmm. without understanding that, you know, I can't do it now it's in the process and I need to embrace that it's a journey. Entrepreneurship is a journey and I can't do everything at the same time. And that, that was the biggest challenge for me to be Mm. able to stop myself and say, you know, you can't achieve this now, but that doesn't mean you won't be able to just keep manage what you have right now. Look at the little that you have and think of it as a hundred percent. Absolutely. So just a final question for you. What advice do you have? Because our community um, serves women in the pre-startup and startup phase. So aspiring entrepreneurs, women with ideas, women who've just started like yourself, you've you've been doing it for a Mm. year now. So what advice do you have for this, this group of women in on developing a business model? I mean, you said so much, but if you, if you had to wrap it up and if you had to give us one final takeaway, what would you say is the most important thing that women, women in this phase of business should be considering around their business model? I think um, just taking from everything that I think our, our podcast has had, all these things and all the stories that we've brought together to you know, make, make, um, make it all make sense. Yeah. I think the best advice I can give to a woman who is listening to this podcast is ideally you need to understand the source Mm. because that's where the magic lies. You need to understand where this, you know, where was this idea conceived? Because we, we do have all these great ideas, 
but why do you pick this one idea? What was it in your life? What was it within you mm. that is channeling all these energies for you? Mm. Because until you make, you know, you get grounded with yourself, when you have that connection with yourself, then only then will you be able to hold on to your idea for as long as you will. Yeah. And you will relentlessly pursue your idea. You, exactly. you know, whether it takes 20 years, 30 years, you will, yes. you'll, you'll get it done. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yeah. And I realized that that is the passion that we have as women because the decisions we make are not spontaneous. They're actually subconscious decisions that we have already made a decision on. It's just, mm-hmm. you need to identify the source. Mm-hmm. And, on, and, and that is where, again, the magic lies because you will never give up. You will, even when you want to give up, you'll be like, you know, this is, this is not just about making, making my profits. This is not just about, you know, being famous with my great idea. This yeah. is deeper than what it is. This yeah. is deeper than what lies on paper. And, right. and, and cause that passion, the passion that a woman has, the minute we hold on to that, we can make mountains move. Look at all the women in history who have impacted the world. Mm. These are women who understood their passions, who understood yeah. their power. And their purpose. Their, and in, mm-hmm. and their purpose. For us, to be honest, it's not about, you know, the, I mean, our men, they are very clear cut about what they want. Mm. They're like, I am going to start a car company and this is where I'm going to start it. <laughs> this is where we're going to go. Yeah, I actually, I actually admire that about guys, the way they just, Exactly. It's they so just, beautiful. They, they focus in and they're like, boom. And then, you know, with yeah. women, it's like, well, you know, I have this idea. And exactly. I'm thinking about this. But I think that's the beauty without stereotyping, yes. obviously. I think that's the beauty yeah. of men it and is. women. Because you need, you need the person who's very clear-cut and defined. But you also need a yeah. little bit of that person who's going to say, well, we should try this. And have you thought of that? And have you ventured yeah. into this? And, you know, exactly. so you, you need exactly. a bit of both. You need a bit of both. Exactly. You need a bit of both. And the other... Thing for me just to finalize for a woman yes you've identified your passions you know maybe you're a woman who's already identified your passions and why you're doing all these things but the thing is to also keep um having tabs on or rather keeping tabs on yourself mm. and on your business because we might lose track yeah mm-hmm. you need to be very accountable to your idea because things change and trends come up every now and so often but you're like no this is my passion and this is what i want to do and this is why it's great but you're not realizing that you need to be accountable to the times that we live in the changes mm-hmm. that you yourself as a woman might be going through oh god yeah and i mean just, our our bodies change like every five years our mindsets change like we, women exactly. are constantly evolving just because of the nature of our makeup exactly. you know biologically yes. as well so we have yeah. to change we have no choice yeah. but to change yeah we need to realize that we are evolving at i mean yes we we are evolving, you know, biologically and everything, but we also, our ideas keep changing and we need to be very accountable and understand and be very disciplined to, you know, be truthful to that first business model that you came up with or a business or the idea, your big idea. So you find your passion, be accountable, be disciplined and always share. And I learned this actually in India because Mm. the women that were there were successful, brilliant women, yourself included. 
but you. what I realized, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a phenomenal woman, to be honest. And so are you. And, and so are you. <laughs> thank you. And what I realized is, in a space of strong women, women who have ideas, it wasn't about competition. Not at all. About, not at all. Not at all. It was more about oh my God, you have this great idea. I have this great idea. How can we connect and how can we make it grow? How can we make it better? And I love that about the women's space because in a man's, you know... It's competitive. No, no, it's very competitive. And (laughs) And yes, it's still very... Yeah. (laughs) It's still very competitive amongst women, but what I realize is the power of sharing and the power of... Collaboration. Just collaboration and unity. And that is... Don't be afraid and don't fear your... I mean, don't, don't fear where you're going. You... And I know there's this quote where, you know, if your dream doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yes, it should, you know, give you the shivers and everything. Because That's it's perfect. so great. That's perfect but don't, advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't shy away from it. And, you know, the last takeaway from me, and this is one thing I always, because I'm such a rebel, mm-hmm. I will just keep defying all these things that I see. I mean, I see. We like that. Like, we like that. Let me yes. think about this critically. So there's, you know, there's a, Thing about you should you know always chase your dreams mm-hmm. right and i realize i don't want to chase my dream i want my dream to chase me mm, that's an interesting we, twist on it yeah yeah because chasing your dream you're gonna get tired sometimes if your dream is too big for you or if you feel this oh this is such a huge dream i will never be able to catch it yeah. Just be a few steps ahead of your dream and your dream will just keep going oh my god she is going so fast can i catch up and mm. you know by the time your dream is catching up with you you're evolving the idea and you're growing and you're, oh, it's just magic. you know what dare dare i say when you find your passion your dream actually does chase you and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't quit because it nags yeah. at you and it's that thing that's always there and you give in at yeah. some point whereas yeah. when maybe when you're still trying to figure it out you're kind of still running around yeah, and chasing, chasing. It. yeah and that can yeah. be so exhausting huh exhausted. <laughs> it's 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 a, it's a whole, it's all, all the resources that we have and need are right here with us. Right. And I think maybe my outtake for this is if there's any woman, Joanne, who will approach you, Mm -hmm. who needs help in getting off the ground. Yes. I'm a Skype call or a Zoom yes, call. Yes, that's what I wanted to end this chat by saying. How can people yeah. reach you? Because you've, you have shared so much wisdom with us. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so grateful thank for everything you. that you have shared. That I am, I'm you. certain there will be some woman somewhere listening to this going, I want to talk to Wemo, you know? So how, <laughs> how can they reach out to you um, to find out about your toolkit or just to talk to you or whatever it is? Give us all of your information and anything else you want to share with us if you're looking for collaborative partners or anything yeah so uh, ideally i think the best thing would be i would give you all the information with my links but i'm always on facebook okay um wemo kitawa mm-hmm. um on my um linkedin wemo kitawa <laughs> yes i those are one of the primary places you can find me uh, skype i am wemo.kitawa 
Okay. I love how so it, just, you keep it your name, which is simple. That's so good. <laughs> yes, it's very, I mean, it has to be <laughs> because sometimes we end up having all these pseudonyms for, you know, for oh ourselves. God. And, we and, we, and we can't keep up. We're like, okay, we on, Go on Google, I'm Peaches. <laughs> and on Facebook, I'm Peach123. Exactly. And then if you look for me on LinkedIn, no, that's professional. So I've got my own name there. <laughs> I know. So but I, then on Twitter, I'm Peach's star. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. oh, my goodness. Yeah. And if you are on Twitter, you can find me, Wemokitawa. You will find me there. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, that's my social media. Okay. And then um, I think that's basically my social media. Have I left out anything? And, if, and is there an email address that people, where people can email you at Mama Ventures? Yes. So there's founder at Mama Global. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at, uh, dot co dot ke. Okay. Okay. And so repeat that one more time, that email address, so people can get that. So that is a founder at mamaglobal dot co dot ke. Okay. And are you open to so, collaboration and partnering yes. with people from different so parts of the world who may want to work with you yeah. and the girls yes. and all the stuff you're doing? That's definitely, definitely one of my key areas because I believe in sharing and I believe in the power of collaborations because I am here because of collaborating with people who believed in my vision and in my passions. So I am very open to partnerships, especially with um, um, my toolkit as the primary product or service that I can offer. So if you're a woman who's running a business, who's getting off the ground and is having trouble with you know getting off i am willing to share the steps of my toolkit with you and also i am looking for partners who would love to use the toolkit to get off the ground themselves so i can at least have more partners who can swear by the toolkit if i can call it that yes so, yes give yeah. you some some testimonials about how yeah, it helped so, them yeah definitely and, and so because on. i am looking I'm looking to also continue to fine tune the toolkit so that it can keep evolving because the ideas that I had last year are very different from some ideas that I have this year. And okay. so it would have to keep growing. So if you have a business and there's certain things that have helped you out, it would be great for us to incorporate that into the toolkit and have you as one of our contributors. Yeah, there's and, there's so uh, many things, there's so many things you can do with your toolkit. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. I mean, you can do yeah. so much with that and um, have other yes. people use it as well and trademark it and, yeah. and do a lot of fascinating things to help women around yeah. the world. Yeah. And finally, if you are interested in, you know, just exploring what it looks like um, running a business in or a startup or coming to volunteer in Kenya, my organization is very willing to help you around with that. We're willing to partner you with other people. Say if you're not into business and entrepreneurial skills, we can find something else that you can work on. So I'm, I'm very open to sharing and understanding what people have in mind. That is great. All right, lovely birds. That was 
Wemo, our dear friend in Nairobi. Thank you so much, Wemo. You were brilliant. Thank you so much, Joanne. You were so great. I, I'm so glad we had this call. Yes. This podcast. It was very refreshing. I feel like I've just had a nice cold drink. Good. Oh, good. That's great. I like that. Well, our community aims to inspire, encourage, and empower women to use entrepreneurship as a tool. And I'm sure there was someone listening to you today that was definitely inspired by something that you said or feels empowered in some way. And I hope that they reach out to you because you're so open with, with all of your resources. Um, someone who, I mean, it would be crazy not to. So thank yeah, you so, so on. much. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, we John. will definitely have another chat when you get into your renewable energy project. That will be a Ooh, good, yes, a good thing to talk about. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much.